Yo, yeah, this is a brand new car and you got the hood spray painted? <laughs> this guy's pissed. Uh, we're doing a photo shoot. We're supposed to do a photo shoot, not out here running up the goddamn tires. That's what I was told to do. <laughs> yeah, the security, security guard, guard was yelling at you. Which made the video even better. Yeah, he was fired up at me. I'm like, bro, I just he did was what like, I was I told to do. <laughs> Eat Sleep Race podcast live from the PRI trade show with my co-host Hugo ESR. Special guest today, pro Formula Drifter, Formula D driver, Ryan Turk. What's up? Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no All worries. the way from New Hampshire. Yeah. We're out here <laughs> yeah. in Indianapolis. Let's get to it. You... Do you classify yourself as a professional drifter or just professional driver? I Yeah, I say professional drifter. Um, it just sounds a little weird to me. So a professional driver, I think, sounds better. But <laughs> but I am a drift driver, so. I like yeah. that because the driver leaves it real open-ended. It so does. When you get these you know, corporate gigs or something, they're like, oh, no, we need, we need the drifter. No, that's Ryan. Right. Ryan's your guy. I like that. <laughs> I'm the guy. That guy. And you've been on, like I said, uh, some corporate commercials, Toyota commercials. Yep. Yep. Got a, got some really good opportunities at Toyota last year when they were pushing a GR brand. Um, they did a massive marketing push and they, they utilized, um, you know, myself, Frederick Osbo, Ken Gushi and Jonathan Castro who are all the drift drivers yeah. uh, for a lot of the marketing programs that they were doing. So it was, it was really cool to do a lot of stunt driving and really be involved in a, in a big way with that. And exactly for that role, they were looking for drifters. So professional driver, you probably wouldn't have got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Some professional drivers didn't get the gig. See, that's where they messed up. They should have just changed the title, Drifter. Drifters. <laughs> that's right. Your whole fleet right now, correct me if I'm wrong, is Toyota. Yes. Every single car you own or drift in, drive in is a Toyota? No, but yes. If... <laughs> What, what happened first? Was it the Toyota? Did you own the Toyota and then the Toyota deal came along or was it the opposite? Yeah, when I, um, so in 2013 is when I got my first, it was a Scion FRS and that's what we built for Formula D. And I did that for an obvious reason. Scion was one of the only manufacturers that was involved in the sport at the time. So I was hoping to do well enough to you know, gain some interest there and, and create a relationship and, um, and it worked out. Um, I, I got I got picked up by Scion, I think one year, but a very very small like kind of like a parts deal situation, and then um, Toyota kind of reingested the Scion brand again, and then uh, when that happened, uh, my my deal got a lot bigger and uh, kind of grew from there. And so what so it is had now. you not had that car, this Toyota deal probably wouldn't have happened. It I wouldn't say that because you never know how some things work in motorsports, like. There's the weirdest stuff happens at the weirdest times and, and uh, it never fails. But it's um, when I got the deal with Steph, like that, that deal might have, have, might have happened even if I didn't kind of go down this road with, uh, with the Scion. Because you were driving for, on Steph's team? Uh, no, because I already kind of had a relationship with Steph a little bit and, and the team over there. And um, he felt like I was just a really good fit in general for the brand and, and for him and, and driving the GR Corolla. So um, I feel like that may have happened. But obviously it did. Having a Scion helped the situation all the way, you know, right. to, to be able to do that. So um, who knows? You never know what that other side is going to be. That Toyota pickup truck that you're drifting right now, the Stout, right? Stout, right. Yeah. Was that, did they help you find that truck? Because that's not something you come across all the time. No, that's actually... Um, uh, 
when I was when Dominic and I were building this Formula Supra, I Dominic got engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we got contacted by TRD and Mobile One to do another project, and uh, we we're so immersed in the Formula Supra project, it was like insane to even think about trying to do another one at that time. So anyway, we we um, we kind of put everything down and, and dedicated an afternoon to like doing a little research on different Toyota chassis, and we kind of put a little list together. And, uh, Did they say they wanted something rare or left it um, open-ended? They left it a little open-ended, and we kind of came. I kind of came back with a list for them. And Dominic is the one who found the Toyota Stout chassis. Oh wow! Or just the you know I was pictures say, where'd of you guys, it. Where'd you guys find that from? He, I don't, dude, I don't even know. Like, oh, first typical he found Dom a fashion. Of he it. like is really good at finding <laughs> shit on the internet. Random stuff. Yeah, random stuff. That's like really cool. He found the car listed, or he just found no. A picture he just of the found car. like that Toyota made an old pickup truck. Like yeah. that's like the Toyota so Stout. In so what year is that? 1966. It was like wow. the first pickup truck Toyota sold in the U.S. Yeah, I don't even know how he found that. I, that's what I mean. So he found it and he showed it to me. I'm like, dude, that's pretty sick. I never even, wasn't even thinking about a pickup truck, let alone right. like a cool ass mini truck. Yeah. And um, my list like was, you know, some typical shit like a Mark IV Supra, A86, and um, Toyota More Celica. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So um, uh, when he brought that, I was like, that's that's that could pretty work. unique, dude. Like but that, now that should how probably are you be it. Find one. Now it's hard to find them now. Right. There's a there's an owner there's like a Toyota Stout owners of the USA group on Facebook and uh, if you go on there you're gonna find it. Yeah, everyone's but, uh, privately listing them. Yeah, yeah. There's they, they there are one there are stuff is stuff for sale on there quite often. A lot of it's obviously full resto mod, but uh, um, so you guys are able you to can't find get the them. chassis. Dom again found a chassis on Craigslist down in San Diego. We're building a, building a Supra out, out in LA at race service at the time. So it wasn't too bad. I drove down there to check it out and it looked really clean. Like they did a, you know, nothing, not a crazy awesome paint job, but it was clean and uh, looked like it had been restored. And then well, later on, later on, we found out there was just fucking pounds of Bondo all over oh, the wow. truck. But you know, so had it happens. been restored or not, it didn't matter anyway. Cause it didn't matter. Cause yeah. we, we turn it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what yep. motor is in that truck? Uh, so it's a hybrid, like 3S GTE motor. So it uses a 5 SFE block, which is a 2.2, originally a 2.2 liter. Um, I think they came in like Camrys and probably RAV4s and a couple other Toyota models. Okay. So you're talking, I think, early to mid 90s for that. But that block is a much stronger casting, I guess. And this is all information I got from Brendan, the dude from PSI Racing that built the engine. And he, um, I found him on the internet because he's like one of the only 3S guys that drags drag races the engine and he's okay. doing like a thousand horsepower on the things. I was like, all right, this is probably the proper guy to, to right. build the engine. So um, he kind of walked me through what I needed to purchase and, and send down to him and, um, and get that thing dialed in. So it's a 5 SFE block, uh, a 1986 naturally aspirated Celica twin cam head. Okay. Um, so it's uh, old as hell, but. Are those easy to find? No. No, the valve covers are even harder to find. <laughs> and the valve covers are like really what made the engine bay, I think, in, yeah. the, in the Stout. So uh, obviously we could have done like a beams head and had variable valve timing on, on both intake and exhaust and like probably had a way better power band on it, but we decided to keep the engine bay looking good. Let's go backwards here. Originally, when we met you, you were drifting in New Jersey at Raceway Park. Originally, back then, when we met you, you were with Gary Gardella. Yep. yep. And prior to that, you were already drifting on your own. Yeah, yeah. I'd have been in, uh, I'd been in FD 2005, 6, and 7, and then I met Gary in 
or at the end at 07, I met Gary and he wanted to start a team. So, so I would say you're probably one of the first, one of the first guys like that were really taking drifting more seriously than just, you know, hanging out and, you know, you know, sliding around. You guys were actually, you guys had like small events. Like I would consider you basically a grassroots drifter. Definitely. That turned it into yeah. career out of it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So could you walk us like through the, our viewers to let them know how, if somebody start? wanted to aspire to be a professional drifter, what, what would you have to say to that? Got to get a rear-wheel drive car, number one. And then just immerse yourself in the scene. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to learn so much from a bunch of like-minded people that are going to probably want to help you get to the next level and help you get better on track. Like, every, the community's so good in drifting, and there's so many great drivers now and, and great people around the events that um, you just need to – get a car and just show up and then you'll start really learning a lot. Do they have a drifting school? They, yeah, there's a, there's multiple drifting schools around the U S okay. now. Okay. Um, there's one at raceway park that Chris Knapp runs East, East coast, coast, drift, East coast drift school. Yeah. He does a phenomenal job. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, he does, he does phenomenal. So that's so. probably a good place to start. If you're just a fan of the sport, you want to just try it out, then that's the best yeah. play, the best thing Actually, to do. Actually, I think at East Coast Drift School, you don't even need the car. They have cars. They have cars. School cars. rent or right, yep. do with the program. That's pretty cool. So going even a little bit further back there, 2005 is when you would say drifting started for you? No, I started in 2000, end of, no, yeah, end 2002 roughly. Is uh, when you first started, we, first Well, time I didn't even know what I was doing was drifting. Like I got a ride in a friend's uh, Fox Body Mustang, and he just was burning the town down, doing donuts and burnouts and stuff. And me and my twin brother were in the car, and we're like, "Yeah, we want to awesome. do this." <laughs> yeah, so we literally we pulled like seventeen hundred dollars together out of our friggin' dresser drawers, and um, hey, you broke got a lot out of money just stored away in these drawers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we worked for my dad on the weekends, hey. right? <laughs> so 2002 correct me if i'm wrong that's right around the time formula drift started no fd fd well formula drift wasn't even started yet but or maybe it was but they didn't have like actual pro events they brought uh the japanese drivers, drivers to irwindale started to with throw an GP, event. right yeah yeah so they kind of started with doing like that kind of demo and then they didn't start the actual formula drift championship officially until 2004. okay so um, you're one of the i mean so, so I'm one of the first guys. I, I didn't do anything in the 04 season because I was still kind of building my car, like getting an SR20 and a 240 and kind of figuring my shit out. But um, I, I did two events in 05, and that's really what kickstarted me to doing Formula Drift full time was that. But, in, oh, yeah, in 02, we pulled our money together, broke out the one ad, bought a Mustang, burned down our town for an entire uh, eight months, <laughs> and then figured out that drifting was an actual sport. Outside of where you guys were. Yep, came to the U.S., we found out that Raceway Park was throwing events, like actual sanctioned events. So we I sold the Mustang, bought a 240, and uh, just started going to events. And down at Raceway Park, it was sick. And at that time, like, I'll let you go with the list of OGs who you were drifting with at the track at that time. Because yeah. all those, everyone ended up turning pro eventually. A, lot, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. A lot of the early adopters, like, um chris forsberg tony angelo von gittin jr and now now there's other hosted host of um drivers that uh went pro or drove in some informal the events um originally drift alliance right drift alliance was formed kind of after right. the i think more towards oh five oh 
Well, I got more brought into Drift Alliance around the end of 2005, but they had already kind of initiated and Been started around. the team, I think, in 04. Because they all got picked up by Team Falcon, and they were right. crushing it, and their cars were sick. And then uh, I was still I was still like the loner on the East Coast, like, <laughs> yo, I want to get in, let me in. <laughs> those and those dudes were all I want to say they were all from Jersey, uh, Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then oh, Vaughn was from Mar Vaughn's Maryland. from Maryland. Um, Chris and Tony are from Pennsylvania, and the rest of the boys from Club Loose. A lot, most of them are all from uh, from New Jersey. Shout out to Club Loose because because of that group and because of Club Loose. Drifting became what it is in the tri-state area, East Coast. Yeah, and, and they're still absolutely. around today. Yeah. Oh, I got I got to shout out my boy day. Wagner. He also came out of Club Loose and was a pro in FD for a full season too. Shout out to another, Wagner. Another OG. Very cool. So, Club Loose came from just a local event at Raceway Park. Turned out to be a known worldwide because of the internet. Even what was it back then? I don't even know. Was it MySpace? Might have been the heydays of yes, Facebook back definitely, then. Definitely MySpace was was going down. And then, yeah, I don't even know when we transitioned to Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not it's even blurry. sure. It was so long ago it's now. It's very blurry. Yeah. But we, we shows our age, right? We were, we were part of those days. Um, I, I did have a MySpace. I did customize my I page. did have a MySpace. <laughs> customize. I had the Nextel. And, yeah. yeah. Chirp numbers. <laughs> so from, from just being at Club Loose... Gary Gardella, who was a professional drag racer, I believe was Pontiac? Yeah. Or no, Chrysler. no. He, Sun, uh, Saturn. Wasn't it a no, Saturn? No, he was driving Cobalt. Chevy Cobalt. The Chevy At Cobalt. first. No, right. but, but into the, I'm into talking about into the drifting. Oh, oh. What, what were you, Solstice, dude. Solstice. Solstice. The Pontiac Solstice, yeah. Right. So yeah. he was drag racing the Cobalt. Then they wanted to get involved into the drifting. They had the Solstice, well, right? They had the Solstice. And I, yeah, I think... I think two um, of them. Didn't they have two that matched? Yeah. And then that's how he found you, because he, he needed a driver? I don't exactly know. I just remember talking to, meeting Gardella and talking to him in, in 2007 at the end of the season. I think it was at, might have been at SEMA. I can't remember now. And he was, he had a good conversation with him. He was just like, he committed right there, like, yeah, I'm down, let's do this thing. And I was like, holy shit, I was ready to quit. So thank God this 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 happened. Because <laughs> I came off like a super hellish season in 2007, driving across country and, you know, just running your own program and car breaking literally nonstop and just like. And at that moment, and at that point, at that point, you were self-funded. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you did a full, you did a full Formula D pro season out of pocket? No, no, I, we got, we found like seven, I think it was like 17 grand from sponsors. Okay. And we're able to do a full I think six rounds out of that cash. Well, no, I was in debt, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're like on, on credit card, technically. Yeah, at, at the end, it was on credit card for sure. So it was just perfect time and planets aligned. Gary's like, hey, just yes. drive for us. Because literally, I was going to just go home, work for my dad, pay my debt off, and uh, and just pick up the pieces and figure, figure out where out. I, where I out landed. Yeah, hey. exactly. And um, and then the Gardella thing popped up, and I was just like, it was literally it's probably this turning point in my career. Getting on Gardella Racing. Because yeah. then, would you then classify yourself, because it's not my car anymore, I'm just jumping to a car getting paid, now I'm a professional drifter. I, I'm paid I never looked at, that, drift. looked at it like that, because drifting was still like, there's only six rounds in the, out of the year, so I was still going home and working for my old man. It's not like you're making a full-time salary right. drifting okay. in those days. Okay. So I was thinking I was making maybe like maybe like 20 or 25 grand a year, maybe maybe more than that, I can't remember. 
And then I just, you know, make the rest of my money. You know how many people watching this are like, I wish I got any type of money to drift my car, right? <laughs> so at that point, well, hey, yeah, you're professional, 100%, bro. A hundred percent. But the, yeah, yeah. I think once you get a check for any type of, of driving or any type of just being behind the wheel, uh, I guess I'm a professional now. <laughs> Somebody just paid me to get behind the wheel here. I don't think I decided that I was actually a pro until like maybe 2000. 2011 or 2013 or something when like that quit, when you embrace the title yeah uh, yeah why is that i don't know because i don't i don't know was it accomplishments or more, yeah it's more more, like... more based on driving skill and um what i felt like i was like uh um proud of on track kind of thing i guess yeah so so just just so that you know people know that that took a long time so we're talking about you started about doing about oh two yeah so almost 10 years. So yeah. the work was definitely put in. It's not like you just hopped in a car and you were the man, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's good. That's a good takeaway. Cause I think a lot of people now, especially they, they think of instant success and it's like, Oh, I could do that. And that's not the TikTok case. Is not. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok is a lie. TikTok is a lie. I, I wish I had TikTok back then. Cause, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you drifted, um, at one point, this was in 08. I leased a BMW Z4M. Oh yeah! And All right. You literally, that? I remember how what the situation. But literally, we're gonna play the B roll the of this. The day I got that car, I picked that car up on Tuesday. I said I'm gonna go to English Town, whatever the next day was to, dr to drift it, and I literally went around all. The, it was my first time. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You? Like, I personally did. Me you? personally. Still had the temp tags on it. I went around and the guy was like, what are you doing? I said, I have no idea. He says, you look like you're I'll on a road course. <laughs> yeah, like, it bro, like I, your rear tires aren't even kicking, I, bro. I wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know about, you know, sidestepping the clutch, nothing. I'm just ripping it first and second. I did a couple donuts and I was like, yeah, I'm done. And, and then brought it back. And, we're and like, I brought it back and my tires are shot. And these dudes was like, yo, let, let's see the video. I ain't got nothing for you because <laughs> I didn't do anything. Look, we need somebody professional who we could do this, and we're good friends with Gary, so we hit him up like, yo, we know you guys are going to be at the track sometime soon. He's like, yo, bring it testing. by. We didn't know who you were yet. Yeah. He's like, bring it, bring it He's by. Like, I we got, got my driver, and he'll jump into the car. And I remember you, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, definitely. That turned out to be our first first viral video. Uh, that video had over a million views on Did it. Did it? You remember Street Fire? Yes, I do. It yeah. did. Yes. It was, that was the first time we had ever had a viral video. And then... We ran, we ran out of ideas for a very long time after that. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like that one-hit wonder back then. We're like, damn, that was a cool idea. It still hit, though. What's next? It still hit. That's like my YouTube channel. I remember Street Fire. <laughs> we immediately, like a couple weeks after that video hit, we saw them at SEMA and like, yo, keep it up. We didn't even know about monetization or nothing back then. They probably made a whole bunch of money off that video, off of ads. And like, when's the next one coming? We're like, yeah, don't worry about it. We're like, there was no next what one. What else we got, bro? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally. Well, what year was that? Two thousand eight. That was 08 That was oh eight. That's when yeah. I picked up You guys the car. showed up with like a spray paint, some yeah, spray, spray paint, paint the hood. hood. Yeah, so we and wrapped I, the hood. Yeah. We and wrapped then, the hood, and everyone was commenting like, "Yo, this is a brand new car, and you got the hood spray painted." <laughs> yeah, the security, security guard, guard got was yelling off, at you, which made the video even better. Yeah, he was fired up at me. I'm like, bro, I just he did what I was told to do. That was exactly what you said in the video. These guys told me to do it. <laughs> he was like, you're supposed to be driving around the parking lot, not burning up the yeah. goddamn thing. You were like, I don't know. That made that video that so good. So we, that was not planned. That dude was, he, he, was he came in hot. Yeah, he came in with his Piss. lights off. Yeah. <laughs> he was ready to do his job. He he was that, he was he was just a Joe Schmo regular security yeah, guard. Yeah, he had too. no idea. He had no idea. Dang. 
So what was, you went from Gary's team, what was the evolution of Formula Drift for you after that? Because um, Gary stopped at some point. Yeah, Gary, Gary stopped. We, we kind of uh, butted heads a little bit, and um, it was 2011, and I was driving the Camaro at that point, and I uh, still had the RB deal, and um, I don't know, like everybody was kind of like at each, not at each other's throats, but it was like, I don't know. Everybody was like kind of I think, honestly, ups upset with the program a little bit. Gary didn't, he, he says it to this day. He was just never into drifting. Yeah. So yeah. That he just, just wanted to see, thing. he he was the type of dude that just wanted to see results no matter what. And um, I kind of rushed the car into the, into competition and we weren't getting them. And I, right. I crashed it a couple times. And so uh, parted ways after that. And then I kind of tried to get back on my feet with jumping back into like an old crusty 240 SX and, going actually doing well in that car the next year and then gary had ended up selling the program to tyler mcquarrie like the rig the cars everything yeah, he sold everything yep 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 and just said he was done uh which kind of which is a bummer because he ran a really professional program coming from the drag racing world he, he knew the, how to run a real deal program and him and like papadakos are probably the only two guys that knew how to run that yeah, run a team were, at that level at I that think point. They, at, at that point, they they've the already had experience yeah. from So he brought a lot of that background. professionalism to it. But yeah. he also, it was also tough because GM, you know, that was in 08 when the crash and all, yep. the, all so everything was going down. Funding started So funding out. was like non-existent and he was pulling out of pocket quite a bit to, to run the program. And thanks. This wasn't fun for him anymore. Yeah. I think he was just stressed out and yeah. that's what I mean. I, Tempers weren't really the best, <laughs> and it kept. It happens, dude. You stayed in it just because. I stayed in because I loved the. Loved I loved doing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about, um, you know, building a crew. When if you want to get into drifting, you know, you, you got to have some support behind you. Your team or your crew that you have now is it the same team that's been with you since back then? Uh, the team, the guys that I have now, have been we've been working together a long time. You know, Dominic's still on on the program and, and Dominic has, I met Dominic through Gary yep. back in 2008, you know, so that's another longstanding relationship, which is really cool. And it's cool. Cause I've, Dom has progressed on some of my cars, like building crazy, crazy shit, yeah. you know? And um, so here's a good question for somebody who's starting off, like, all right, if you, you want to start getting into this, you know, moving towards a professional route, you need a team behind you. This isn't a one man show thing you could do. Oh, absolutely not. So somebody who's like, well, how do I go about building a crew? Is it like hiring where you got to put out a professional resume? What would be your recommendation to building a solid crew? Dude, it's, it's, I don't know. People just kind of come along and then you just kind of like connect with pe certain people, you know? And that's kind of the deal that happened with me was my crew chief now, Brian, we've been working together since 2013. And I met him at the shop that was, that helped build the F, the first FRS that I got. And he, um, he just, he kind of progressed his skill set all the way through the years until he he's like really polished and has a lot of a lot of skill sets and a lot to offer a professional drifting program and driver. So he's my crew chief, but he's also, you know, he does professional um, mil spec wiring for the for the cars and for a lot of my cars as well. He does a lot of data analysis now um, and really helps tune the freaking car like really really good um, and always gives me a great setup. So like having relationships like that, you want to be able to grow with somebody. So you want to be able to connect with somebody right off the bat. And, um, and if you have that, I think you're going to have like really longstanding relationships and to be able to grow with people in your career, I think is, 
how and why I have had a lot of success that I've had on track. So you and your crew have gone well over a decade competing in Formula D. Today, 2023, moving into 2024, if there was one thing you could change about the sport of drifting in general, what would it be? Oh my God, one that's thing. such a hard question. Uh, one thing right now is I wish we could do like tube chassis or tubular, like more. I wish we could expand the rule book, do double A-arm suspension and, and just open a rule book up to be able to do a, add a little bit more engineering into the cars. Almost like an unlimited class. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, exactly. Like a, pro, like a real pro class. And that's class. how I feel we, what we should be. Like the, the cars and, and the components that we're working with in the window of the rule book is we've been doing it for now 10 years. Like mm -hmm. nothing's been really changed that much. So um, Besides new chassis that yeah. of the new models that come out. Yep, yep. So I don't know. I wish we could drive some super lightweight chassis with a ton of horsepower. More and purpose built. Purpose Purpose like, like, for drifting, yeah. That's yeah, what I mean, yeah, for specifically drifting. for drifting, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the same thing. Like, you guys got cars, they're building purpose-built drag cars, so they're, you know, they know what they need to do. They, they add stuff, take away stuff. So I see where you're coming from yeah. with that, in that aspect. And yeah. you're talking just in the sport of competition of drifting, right? Because technically, you could build that car and privateer it and just Def demo, exhibition this car. That's basically what the Stout is, tube chassis, double A-arm okay. suspension. That's essentially Eight. why I wanted to build that <laughs> like that. We didn't have to do it like that, but yeah. I wanted to do it like that for a reason, you know? So exactly what you were thinking. Yes. You actually, you made it happen. Yes. <laughs> so also, Ryan, like, I feel like you are one of the only guys out there that continue to push the envelope on these custom-built cars and, you know, wild engines, engine, transmission, um, component, like, setups. So yeah, talk about that Ferrari you, in the Ferrari you came motor out in the with doing right? a yeah Ferrari motor in a yep. Toyota. So, what what whose idea was that? Uh, I mean, it was my it, it became my idea. I'm sure other people have had the idea as well. But um, I you make it you made I it made happen. It, I made it happen. Yeah, yeah. with with some very nice with some very solid partners. Yeah. involved. Um, it really it really stemmed from learning what the Judd motor was and really wanting that as the ultimate engine swap for myself. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that engine was like unreachable at that time frame, I was like, well, what's the next best thing is like, I really like that sound, like okay, a supercar engine, pitch, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 458, I actually did a, um, a Turked episode with um, Damon from Daily Driven Exotics way back then. He had a 458 and I got to drive it and the thing was fuck. It was so cool. You just loved it. Yeah, love. I loved the sound. The engine was great. And uh, I was like, well, I can't I can't obtain a Judd. So this is kind of the be next best so idea. You, so even back then, you already had the minds, the idea of, of hey, I want this Judd motor. Yeah, as soon as I drove that, he, as soon as Damon let me drive that car, I was like, this is, this is the idea. And then um, about a year later, I got contacted by my partner at the time, Gum Out, and they wanted to do a build project, like a SEMA project. Mm. And they want to do like an, a classic, um, a classic like Corolla, classic Celica project. And I was like, do a 2J swap in it and just do exhibition stuff. I was like, I was like, dude, that's cool. It's be sweet, be fun to drive and build it and all that. I was like. But what if we double the budget and we do this do this idea instead? And uh, they said yes, and I couldn't wow. believe it. Yeah. You didn't even have to fight for it. I didn't even have to fight for it. 
it was like the easiest conversation. And I, but I had I had such a good relationship with um, Rusty over there at the mm-hmm. time. Like he's just such a good dude and a super fan of motorsport and and of doing cool shit. I like that. That's a true testament to that saying, "Shoot the shot." Yeah, hundred percent. You're like. I could, I could make this real simple and just do what you guys are asking me, but you shot the shot and it worked. Yes. Might as well. Yeah. And then from, so I think that car even put you even more spotlight on you because then you were, you were making cool ass videos, doing all that sort of stuff. And then move on a few years later, you actually were able to get the Judd motor. Yeah. And that, and that, that happened Supra. when I got, when I found out I was getting the deal to drive for Papadakis Racing. So I had my own program, had the uh, 80s, the GR86. Uh, well, it was the 86 at the time, but um, when I found out I was getting a Papadakis drive in, a, in the in the Corolla, I knew I could sell my pro drift car and cash up and and buy a Judd engine. And Judd engines, you don't just find them for sale. I no. found this engine for sale on Indie Competition on consignment, and it was up for a long time. Like people were like, what the hell is a Judd engine? Probably, you know what I mean. <laughs> But I knew it was for sale, and I was like, I was like, this just feels right. Like I got, I need to put the pieces together. This is the engine that I have to buy to start the project. Can we, can we talk numbers on that? Is that can, can you reveal that? Uh what I, I got it for, I think seventy. Wow. Yeah, seventy grand. I think I overpaid for it, but yeah, well, I, paid, I, mean, I paid not, seventy for it's it. It's not like you could just. But oh, the thing let me is, wait for yeah, the next deal. How, has anybody the seen a V10 have? motor? You like a used fucking Judd V10 engine <laughs> yeah, for sale on the internet? Not, not many out there. Right. You still right. have it. Yeah. Well, it's in the car. Oh, yeah. Everything's one piece still, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is drivable. He drives it all the time? I drove in a World Time Attack last year, or this this past year. Sheesh. That's so cool. that car fits in classes that you could actually compete in? No, it was an exhibition oh, car. It is. It, it would fit in a class, but it would not be as competitive, it's competitive as the other cars. It's not yeah. purpose-built for that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's a great... Dominic built a phenomenal car. I, I've seen all the pictures. But it's just the way... Time attack is and the way the classes yeah, are set, it's like different and, rules and all that. An stuff. NA car is not gonna crush it no. unless it was like a legit, you know, V10, 900 horsepower, mm-hmm. 20,000 red RPMs. line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. On that note, you've built and modified and been behind the wheel of many types of engines. What is the best engine to drift with? Oh man. I mean, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna lay on the, on the 2J. I mean, the, the, the four, Legendary. the four cylinder that Steph had, the 2A RFE that's in the GR Corolla right now that Steph developed, that thing is amazing, dude. Like, he hits it with a nice shot of nitrous, and that thing, the power is phenomenal on that thing. It just can't go the extra step that we want for, uh, for the car setup. Like if, if we had a smaller tire and we had another two or three hundred pounds out of the chassis, like Steph originally intended that engine it would we'd be money we could keep that four cylinder in there all day long and so, is that because of the rule sets that uh, you have no to because have well we got we got picked up by nitto tire and they have um and there's a tire to weight uh ratio rule okay in fd so there's weight classes per tire width mm-hmm. so nitto came out with a f- this phenomenal tire and it's a 315 so we had to weight the chassis up like 300 pounds ah and adding 300 pounds and a really really big grippy tire is you know it's tough for the it's tough for the four cylinder. Yeah, you're, you're, it still does. We still have a phenomenally competitive car out of that thing, but it's just the um yeah it's it stre- it's, it it's stressed out. Yeah, I like how you brought that up. So the two JZ legendary motor, but nowadays they're expensive. 
the yes. trannies, the motors, they're all of it. I think 10 grand just for the motor, 10 grand on the chassis if you want the, I mean, 10 grand on the transmission. Well, they're not what, running those anyway. What motor, <laughs> what motor is the best bang for the buck to drift with? Man, dude, I, I'm gonna say Jay-Z's, dude. It still is, man. Yeah, because they're so reliable. You the don't, one Jay-Z, because it's even half the, the price. one Jay-Z too. Yeah, I, I, I think they're, I think they're so good. They're really robust. If you just do basic stuff, you can make really decent power, and you can drift the shit out of them things. You can beat them up, and they're, they'll handle it. You know? Yeah, run 500, 500 horsepower, and which is plenty for our someone starting out. Someone starting out should have like 300. Out of all the platforms that you've driven because you've driven a lot of cars what is the best car that you say would be for drifting oh it's got to be a toyota so which one <laughs> which toyota i haven't driven them all yet so i can't say out of the ones, out of the that, ones that, that i have yeah i what well, the one time i drifted the gr super chassis i really really liked it but i the gr corolla that i'm driving now under papa Dogus racing is the best competition car i have driven in my career even better than your old pro car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Old pro car was sick, though. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Toyota for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, budget's a big thing, especially for grassroots racers. What would you say is the best bang for your buck in terms of just total chassis? Just getting a car out there, if you could make a recommendation for somebody. Dude, I, I think there's, there's a lot of good options from, you know, I'm going to say that the the 86 or the older FRS model right now is a really good bang for the buck. Your only issue there is you're going to be limited power-wise. Um, you can go to a Nissan 350Z, which is, I think, ugly, but for a starter package, Does over 200 horsepower. Like, you can't beat that. Um, beyond there, you can you know, you get into BMWs. I don't know too much about the, the setups on those, but I've driven a couple, and they feel pretty solid. So, I see... Um, you what you're wearing, the shirt that you're wearing, RSR. Give us uh, not a lot. I don't think our viewers know. What is that? What does uh, that stand yeah, for? Yeah, so race service racing or just or race service is the brand and, and company. And how are they? How are you associated with them? So, yeah, long, long story, a little bit of a long story. I try to shorten it up. But so I met my manager, Jacob, in 2007. And he's basically been manage, managing me f since then. And... We've kind of all grown together and other people in the mix, like our friend Andy, um, James Kirkham, and we've all kind of grown together in this like media space, filming the Network A videos and creating content and, you know, eventually into the 4586, filming some of the, um, oh, Andy actually filmed the off-season, the first off-season video that I had in the 240 with the, uh, the black 240 at the Origin kit and the one in the SR20. And then we had filmed off-seasons two on a mountain in Vermont. Uh, that had that then had the 1J in it. So we've all been working together for years. And they, everybody kind of collectively came together to start Donut Media. And then they got kind of pushed out on that deal, unfortunately. But they still wanted, they still were. Wanted to be in that wanting space. Wanting to just film branded content and just do cool, cool video content. So they. Is it because Donut got acquired? No. Nah, well, they got, they got more recent, they got acquired more recently, oh, okay, okay. but they wanted to do more studio stuff. Like, um, like the videos that you, you see them do now, right? They didn't, the branding content wasn't pulling in any money and it usually costed money, but it's obviously just a part of building that, building the brand. that area mm -hmm. of, or that part of the company, but they, they just didn't see it as a profitable thing. So they kind of let Jacob and James and, um, and Andy kind of go. So they just decided to run together and just start race thing. service yeah race service was the name 
And then I was like, I'm coming out. So I moved out to California and stayed there for about three years. And the boys um, started crushing it, getting a lot of really big clients like Hot Wheels. And now they're just doing a lot of stuff in Formula One, which is a big deal. So really happy for those dudes and where they were. Because we got there, they kind of acquired this space and it was like an auto mechanic shop from like the 60s. So it was like a That place looks awesome. It was like a dirt den. The way they set it up. Yeah. They 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 made it pop. For sure. It's now like, it's it's so rad. Yeah. And we were there from the beginning when there's still oil stains all over the <laughs> all over the place and, you know, knocking down some of the structures and so that they could paint and, and kind of refurb it into the place that it is now. We ran our FD, Chris Forsberg and I ran our FD programs out of there from, I think, 2018 and 2019. And then, um, and then they, they started really getting serious and like redoing the place out until what you see it is now. So you've been on both coasts, East Coast, West Coast, like yeah. you just mentioned. What is the best, well, even broader question, what is the best track to drift on? Man, I, dude, that is tough. That's that's so that's such a loaded question. How about a top three? Top three for me, like where I, yeah, the places that I've been? So Ryan Turk's top three tracks to drift on. Oh, man. Well, it's open-ended for me, but the ones that I have drifted on, uh, would have to be this place in uh, Norway where they have um, Gatbill at this track called Rudskogen. And I, I probably didn't pronounce that right, but been, like crazy elevation, like really phenomenal track to drive on. I had an absolute blast out there. Um, saw their track in Latvia, uh, Riga, called uh, Bikerniki. And that track is super, super fun to drive and really, really fast and crazy. And then um, here in the States, I think Road Atlanta is my other favorite track. Nice. That's actually two of those tracks are outside of the U.S. Yeah. So you've done a lot of drive and drift in outside of the States. Um, what have you noticed between the cultures of driving all around the world? Is it, it just, is it just one sport? Everybody, you're all just all on the same page? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, everybody, you know, you, you go to different countries and there's a lot of different um, culture and, and different languages, obviously. But yeah, everybody the same man super about, competitive i i see like right now uh, one of the big spaces that are getting really competitive in in drifting is china um really I, I, that's what i saw that's, that's what people they were tell me they were coming up i don't know where, where it's at now because a lot of the u.s guys that were going there aren't going and um so i don't know what the state of drifting is over there but they were definitely for a while like a while. i've seen a lot of videos yeah. so same i'm not in i'm not as as you know in depth into that but I did see, I'm like, man, they got some crazy stuff going on here. There were some crazy cars and some really some teams with some deep pockets, mm-hmm. like really flowing a lot and throwing a lot into the sport of drifting. And I didn't I didn't get an opportunity to go to drive any of that, but I heard the tires were insane, like <laughs> the cars were ridiculous and um and everybody had a blast from for what it looked like. Okay. Do you see yourself seeing the way that the uh, industry is moving and we're, the way we're trending in society, do you see yourself drifting in an electric car in the near future? I don't know. I might be phased out by then. <laughs> by then. Hopefully I am, to be honest. So that's not in uh, Ryan Turk's short-term goals to drift in an electric car? I think a hybrid alternative would be would be sick. I think like using the, uh, the electric motor as like a power assist, almost like, not like a, almost like a push to pass kind of thing, or mm-hmm. maybe like a shot of nitrous, but like mm-hmm. with an electric motor. But not a full, com- not a full electric. I mean, yeah, the, the performance on them are, is ridiculous. Obviously, the, the amount of torque that they can produce. But 
as far as like the sound and what everything that motorsport means to me is not combustion there. engine. Yeah, so. it's different. What if the sport shifted in that direction? Are you, would you stand on your heels there and be like, no, nah, I'm not driving because it's electric cars? I don't know. I'd try it out for sure. I, like I, that. I would definitely be. Give it a shot. I would give it a shot and have an open mind about it. But I don't know. I, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't be as um, passionate about the sport like that. So we see it at trade shows, specifically here at PRI, the Lucas Oil Stadium, they, it's now half um, dedicated to EV. So, you know, like some of the industries embracing it, others are truly standing their wall and saying like, no, like I'm not, we're not going in that direction, despite, you know, a lot of the forces and government and all this saying we are going in that direction. Yeah. So I do see a lot of like, obviously these trade shows, EV wasn't part of it before. Now people are becoming open-minded to it. I walked that hall, there's, there's, there was a lot of people down there. So people that we speak to, you know, we have, we've yet to speak to anyone who's been um, pushing towards the Like a hundred percent supporter. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, you haven't found anybody. No, no. Not, not quite not yet. yet. Yeah. So that's why I've... we always ask that question. <laughs> Happy, thing, happy to be on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> and I think another thing that we always ask too, especially, you know, doing that at a professional level is how important is it to maintain these relationships you have with your sponsors and also, you know, just people in the industry in general, because obviously you've been dealing with your sponsors. It's not like every year Ryan has a new, new guy. You've been dealing with these guys for years now. And I think the only way you maintain that obviously is you have a relationship with them. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I mean, motorsport sponsorship, as uh, everybody knows in the sport, is so hard, like so hard. And um, I think I feel like we're lucky in drifting because we have such a great social platform and Formula Drift gives gives us a phenomenal platform to try to sell sponsorship on. And it, there's a there's a great return on investment there. And the sponsors are, sponsors see that and they're they're open to, um, you know, obviously partnering with people and, and having longstanding relationships. Yeah. So the parent company to gum out is ITW. And um, when gum out decided to take the marketing dollars in a different direction, Rainex was right. You know, we already had a relationship with Rainex throughout the years of working under that umbrella. Right. And they were down to step up and keep the program going. So it's yeah. like really cool. It was like seven years with gum out, which is crazy to me. And then it's now it's been, um, it's been two years, two years with Rainex. And, and I think that's crazy awesome. because in all the other sides of, Oh, motorsports, a lot of sponsors don't even stay with people for that yeah. long. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, dude. Most of our deals are all are um are all one year deals. Yeah. For most partners. And uh and, and Toyota's for, obviously and, been another very long term mm -hmm. relationship and it's been yeah, dude, they're just so yeah, like you look easy at, and awesome to work with. And you and look they give at, you a I, lot of opportunity. I feel like that's that's important because I a lot of people don't see that if they're not into drifting, that yeah, these guys have been around for a long time. Yeah. Like in drag racing you you might be such and such today and you know by next month you're you're with somebody else yeah. and you've been able to go seasons with your same partners yeah which speaks a lot yeah key takeaway from this is don't burn bridges and plant the seeds early Ab these absolutely dude you never know who you're talking to and everybody should just have a good attitude on their shoulders and we all know that rate that competition element and racing brings out another side and um tempers tempers flare I mean, it's, it's just the That's way, it, just the way it happens. It goes with racing in general. Mm -hmm. So, but um, yeah, always, always try to just keep a good head on your shoulders and be polite to everybody.
And content is king these days. It's one thing to be a great driver, but if you're not a great personality and you're not putting out good content, it's kind of you're doing yourself a disservice because if you're just 100% focused on your skill of driving, I think you could be a testament to this. To be a professional drifter and be able to be hired on different levels and for different gigs and outside of just your competition. Yeah. You, would you, what would you say the percentage is of your talent of drifting and your talent of being a personality? 50-50? Oh, man, I never even thought about that. I'd say for me, like I, since I do a lot of content, I really try to have a good presence on social media and, and doing, all, doing videos and stuff. I'm going to say, especially with my results this past year, it's probably about 50-50. Actually, um, I, I heard an interview, I forgot which driver it was for F1, and he's like, I want to say it's 90-10. Because he was like half of the, because they're kind of like a circus, right? Yeah. At least you guys get some breaks in between your events. They're yeah. back to back every weekend. Yeah, they're insane. They do what, 22 races a year? International, on different time zones. Insane. And before they even get on track, they got to do how many appearances? Right. And just it was just this their Las lives Vegas are ridiculous, race. dude. It's crazy. That, we're doing eight rounds and it feels insane. That's where he <laughs> was. Whoever I was watching was like, it's ninety percent, ten percent, ninety percent doing the appearances, being a face. Yeah. Ten percent driving. Yeah. Oh, ten percent driving for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind Abs of wild. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I try to get to as many grassroots events, even outside of Formula D, and and in between filming videos and doing all the other um, like grid life events and demo demo stuff. It's, um, I still like to get to all the grassroots events because that's where the ultimate fun, yeah, fun for me is. That's where, yeah. you, that's where everything started is doing those events. So it's glad for me, to that's you're still I, having fun doing That's it. what still keeps the passion going and that's what allows me to still feel like I want to go to FD Good and reason why you built the Stout, right? Because you, yeah. you did it for fun. Yeah. I just saw you were drifting that thing in the backwoods. Was that Virginia? In West Virginia, yeah. yeah. It was wild, dude. On the streets. On the streets. They shut, they shut the streets down. We did this like insane road that comes down in this valley and goes up the other side. So we did the one side the one day, and then we went transition to the other side of the valley on the and other you day. And you weren't by yourself. I think there were really no, it was like a couple cars. Did you guys? Yeah, a couple dozen yeah. cars, right? Dude, the first awesome. the first run, I went down the hill. It was it was raining out, and I lined up first, and then so did thirty other cars behind me. And I was like, oh shit. Yo, shout out to West Virginia because they actually supported this, right? Whoever said it was up this. Dri yeah, Drift Appalachia. Is the is the team who kind of put it together, and yeah. the back roads of Appalachia are the ones who got the permitting to do it. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. So they had this this what they they call it stage two is the one in West Virginia, and then they had done another one in Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, sorry, Kentucky, and I heard that road was like insanely fast, like wow. scary fast. And then the ones that we did in West Virginia were a little bit more like like Japanese toge style. What's more fun, drifting on track or drifting on the street? Ah, uh, depends. All right, so you I mean, named your top three tracks to you. Drifting, you... drifting on the track is definitely more confidence-inspiring. You can drive better. You can work on your game and your skill set. If you're driving on the street, which I haven't done in years, not like that, but on that toge. I feel like there's a fear factor to driving on the street. Yeah, I mean, you're an idiot these days <laughs> if you do that. You're, you're an absolute idiot. Well, especially, I mean, idiot. you just came off the drifting on the Appalachia But streets, doing That's right? what I mean, but doing a closed-down section of yeah. street, like a mountain, like a real toge. Yeah. That is like, well, it's a whole new world because we don't get to do that out, that often. So it's like, that's the ultimate draw for me. So when you first started, you know, like for us, it was in Jersey, at least everyone was going to street racing, right? So you're street racing for money and that. What is the competition for like, you know, you guys are just starting out back home in New Hampshire. Were you guys, is there a competition where you guys are drifting for money? No, right? No, it's, dude, it's, it's totally different just world. Okay. 
Yeah, it's, even it's if you all watch just for like, fun. The, the, I hear you. Like the it, videos. I can't is, even imagine like that situation being in, <laughs> in drifting. drifting right? Yeah, mainly because it's not. Ra- it's a judgmental sport. Right. So you're not racing really. Exactly. But like, if you watch Initial D, it feels a little That's bit more I mean, like that. That's what I mean. That gives you that like, yo, I'm gonna beat you. But like, yeah, what yeah, are we yeah. doing? Yeah. But like, yeah, dra- I like drag racing because of that fact. Like the grudge matches and all that shit is is really cool to me. But um, drifting is definitely chill. Like you're just going to shred with your homies and have a yeah. good time kind of thing right. i think um between you being a professional drifter and then your core root of just drifting for fun if you had to pick one what is the what is the best side of drifting i don't know because because there's kind of the opposite to that right like if yeah. you weren't driving professionally and just doing it for fun you'd probably be working at your dad's shop or I would be doing, yeah, I'd be, I'd be doing, I was like pressure washing garbage trucks and tanker trucks and doing all that. And that's what funded me to be able to get to the position I am now. And I would definitely still be doing some of that stuff still. Yeah, for sure. So what's more fun? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess it, I guess it depends. I've, I've had a great career and I've been able to, I've been able to figure out how to keep it fun all these years. So definitely that. I think part of it is also just because you're a thrill seeker. It's not only yeah. outside of drifting. Yeah. You ride dirt bikes. You know, you guys, you're, you're into That was my background, though. Yeah. We all grew up on dirt bikes racing and then got burnt out because that was our whole childhood and then immediately dropped that and got straight into <laughs> cars. It was crazy. So did you ever picture yourself back then on a dirt bike? Like, hey, I want to do this professionally because obviously. On a dirt bike, yeah. Having a career as a dirt bike, it's possible. Well, we got our pro licenses at, I think, 17. And oh, we, wow. did a, we did some national. We qualified for two nationals when we were 18 i think and then we did the whole canadian uh motocross pro series one summer um up there which was so you live both lives yeah totally which one's which one do you like better well i never we never got to really the point where we wanted to in in motocross as professionals we're just we kind of got burnt out at the time we we're becoming pros and you know being able to um to qualify for like ama nationals and stuff and then cars were the biggest draw like once we got that ride in that Mustang, it was like, all right, <laughs> life changing. And then we're gonna hang up the the motor, the bikes, and get do the four wheels instead. I like it, Ryan. We appreciate you being taking the time with us, yeah, sitting course, down at the man. show. No, you're a very busy guy. I know you're flying. Well, back I got to, to sit Hampshire. down and chat with you guys. This is a lot more chill than what we've been doing all day. Yeah, <laughs> we like to keep it relaxed here. Yes. Keep it real. And no, thank you for your time. If anyone wants to follow you on Instagram. Drop your social media handle. Yeah, just my uh, everything is at Ryan Turk, um, at for Ryan all the, Turk for all the socials and all the stuff. At Brian ESR. Hugo ESR. If you like this episode, like, comment, and subscribe. Ryan, best of luck in 2024. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.